there. We're live at the Nasdaq market site on this summer Friday. The guy's here getting ready behind me. And oh, hey, look, guy there sticking around for the big show. In the meantime, here's what's coming up. A record number of people just watched Stranger Things. Well, Dan Nathan thinks so. And he'll tell you how to get in on the drama. Plus, oil and energy stocks are surging. And Mike Coe thinks there's more room to run. He'll explain what's about to spark a major rally and how you can cash in. And that's right, Options Action fans, the Dream Team is back. Mike Coe and Guy Adami will tell you the one tech stock they think is about to break out. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. Let's get right to it because Netflix is on deck for earnings next week. The streaming giant's up 40% this year, although most of those gains came in January. The stock is still 10% from its all-time high, and the options market's implying a 6% move in either direction. Dan here thinks new highs are in play. Dan. Yeah, but not right now, and I'll tell you why. I mean, this is one that, you know, it's not a trade stock. It's not one that has, uh, you know, adverse effects of, uh, you know, strong dollar, for the most part, that sort of thing. Um, But it is a stock that has a lot of unusually positive sentiment into it. We know that. We know that there's a lot of investors that have valuation concerns with this. And one of the things that got me thinking about this name into earnings next week was that they started off the week putting out a tweet talking about how many people in the first four days of Stranger Things season Season uh, three, they, I think over 41 million people watched it in the first four days. That's the six-day chart, okay, since basically this, um, since this news has been out there. And it closed dead on the lows of the week, you know, which is really kind of odd, almost down 2%. You know, the stock has had a big run over the last month and a half or so, kind of keeping pace with the NASDAQ a little bit. So when you think about that implied move, about 6.5% after earnings next week, that is basically um, shy of the 4%. It's moved on average over the last four quarters. But the long-term average, this stock has moved about 12%. So it's been very, very volatile. The way I think about this is this, okay? Right now, investors are not expecting a lot of net ads coming from the U.S. But this is a company that in the back of this year, starting with a straight, the strength of uh, Stranger Things. They have Orange is the New Black. They have 13 Reasons Why. They got a lot of the reasons why people buy this thing. That chart, though, and Mel said this before, tells you that for whatever reason, since January, this thing has been range-bound between 335 and 385. I suspect it's going to continue to be range-bound after earnings, but I do think that this thing could set up for a nice long trade into the fall as we get through some of the volatility that I expect this summer. And so how do we do this? Obviously, this is an option show here. I do not want to be naked long calls, especially out of the money calls. Implied volatility, the price of options is pretty high in this thing into the report. So to me, it sets up pretty nicely to do a call calendar where I'm selling a short dated out of the money call next week and I'm buying a longer weighted one, a longer dated one in September. And specifically, you would do this if you thought into August, into September, this stock could move back towards those prior highs above 400. So today, the trade very simply, when the stock was trading at 374, you could sell the July next week. 400 call at four bucks. And you could use the proceeds to help finance the purchase of the September 400 call for $12. That costs you $8. That is the max risk. That's a little over 2% of the stock price. The implied movement in this thing would be up to about 400 or down to about 350. So that's just a one day move. I like the risk reward of this trade because if it continues to consolidate, then I have this September long dated call that I own for I don't know, you know, a third less than what I would have if I just went out and bought it. Yeah, there's no question, certainly, that their programming is very popular. I mean, I hear from my wife, I hear from my kids, Stranger Things. It seems to be the only thing that anyone is talking about this week. So I can definitely see that. 
the fascination with Netflix as stock is a little bit harder for me to get my arms around. This is a company that doesn't have any free cash flow. It hasn't ever had any free cash flow. It's not forecast to have free cash flow. So it's not something I would reach out and buy the shares. But the options trade actually makes a decent bit of sense to me. And if you take a look at the way the stock has behaved since the beginning of the year, the range it's been in has been quite a tight one. So when you're looking at selling these 400 strike call options, you're making a pretty good bet in terms of probability. There's not really a high probability that's going to break through that level. We haven't seen it in six months' time. I don't know why this would be the catalyst. What we would, but even if it did happen, all in, you're spending eight bucks on this thing. That's just a little bit over two percent of the current stock price. These are the kinds of high probability bets that you should be making just as a part of an investment process using options, whether it's a Netflix or another stock. You don't have to love the stock to love this particular trade. What do you think, Guy? Last June, this was a $411 stock. Next, within the next six months, it traded down to 250. That's where it bottomed out. I think it was, you know, probably early December. We've effectively gotten it all back. I think the, the smart trade is to probably take some money off the table here in their earnings on Wednesday. I'm still in the camp that this thing retests that high from last year of 411 or so. Everything that Mike says is 100% correct in terms of balance sheet, in terms of cat, all of those things. However, Look at the move Disney's had over the last, I don't know, three or four months when the stock's gone effectively from 115 to 143. It hasn't given anything back. A lot of that is attempting to cut into Netflix. Netflix, until today at least, hasn't flinched. I think that's telling you something in the earnings. Mm-hmm. So although the smart thing to do is take money off the table, I do think these things rally post-earnings. Competition and all the announcements about shows that they're going to bring yeah. back onto services and pricing, et cetera, those can be catalysts for the other ones. It could be catalysts. And look at how Comcast acts. Look at how Disney acts. Mm-hmm. They make new highs almost every day. And I think that's one of the reasons why this stock has consolidated the way it has over the last few months as money has flowed into these other ones. But they are not going to get massive results anytime soon. And that was the interesting thing about that April gap in Disney. They basically told us. They gave us long-term guidance for their targets on subscribers and profitability. But in the meantime, time, Netflix may have a bit of a runway. They just put those price increases earlier in the year. They do have a lot of their original content. And the way I see it is that's the only reason why you're in Netflix is their original content, because we know that Disney's taking it away. We know that a lot of the stuff is going back to Warner and you know all that sort of stuff. So longer term, this is a more challenged story. But in the meantime, it may have a little runway. You know, one final thing I would like just to say about the options trade, and that, that is that you know buy rights are one of the most popular things that people do. You buy stock, you sell calls against it, you're looking to collect that premium. In situations where you think there's some risk to the stock, though, this is a better trade to do, actually, buying longer-dated calls, selling near-dated calls against it because you're mitigating your risk, but you're receiving a lot of the benefits that you do from either put sales or buy rights. All right. Well, Netflix is not the only stock on fire. Energy stocks, the best-performing sector in the last month, with many names letting up and seeing double-digit rallies as oil prices climb and Tropical Storm Barry is set to make landfall this weekend, which could drive prices even higher. Mike here says the group's got even more to run. What do you see, Mike? Yeah, so, you know, earlier this week, we actually highlighted a trade that we saw in the XLE. We saw a very large call spread risk reversal. Somebody was trading the 55, 64, 75 out in December. This was basically a way for them to take a look at the lower end of the range and the upper end of the range that we've seen in XLE. Other than, of course, the hurricane, there's a number of other potential catalysts. We have a lot of energy companies that are going to be reporting earnings in the next several weeks. I think it's interesting when I took a look at that trade, though, the call spread risk reversal. I gave it some thought. When you have earnings, a lot of the names that are reporting, the Slumberjays and Halliburtons and so on, some of these are not actually implying very big moves. What that tells us is that the price of options on those stocks is relatively low. And looking at XLE, although it's high for an index, given all of those catalysts, given the hurricane, to me, I actually think that they're fairly reasonably priced if you give yourself enough time to let your trade play out. So basically, 
either betting that energy is actually finally getting some traction, traction it hasn't had, obviously, basically for a year we've seen nothing but lower prices, um, whether it's oil, whether it's the hurricane, whether it's earnings, any one of those things could give some additional upside. I think what you could do is just go out to December, buy the 65 calls. Those were about $2.75 when we were looking at these. And I don't really think you need to complicate this by either selling some downside puts to help finance it or selling some upside calls either. The reason being that you know this is more of a trend type trade. If it continues, you can look for ways to monetize or lock in some of your profits. But of course, this is a heavily levered group. We are basically otherwise oversupplied with oil in the long run. And I think when you consider that, that's the downside risk. This is a way you can play for additional momentum without really risking a great deal. Yeah, so what's interesting, Mike's choosing the 65 strike. If you look back to Q4 last year when XLE broke down, it went from 65 to 55, in like a straight line in the, you know, November, December sort of time period. And then earlier this year when it broke 65 to the downside after a bounce, it also went down considerably about 10%. So that's a really important level. I think it gets back above that. And I, what I like about the trade is, like he said, he's keeping it simple, but he's risking about 4% for a near the money uh, participation that gives him a lot of time for this thing to play out. And I would just say this, we say this all the time. This is the sort of trade, though, that if it doesn't, it just sits here or goes down a little bit or goes up a little bit and the thing starts decaying, you really got to think about where you're going to stop this call because it's just going to be decaying if it's just sitting there. I mean, obviously, the decay gets greater as you get closer to December, as, but at some point, you got to put a stop on it. Yeah, well, that's right. As a percentage of the options premium, obviously, near-dated options start uh, you know, evaporating a lot more quickly than longer-dated ones do. Here, we're looking at about a six-month option, maybe a little bit less. So, Basically, three months in, though, you're going to start seeing that rate of decay accelerate considerably. And if the thesis hasn't played out by then, there's a good chance that, you know, we have the trade wrong. And that would be a time to take, you know, take a look at opportunities to take your profits or losses, whatever they may be at that point. Are we allowed to say uh, theta bleed on this show? You ever oh, use there you go, buddy. Only on that? this show. I guarantee only on this show will those words good, ever right? come you're out like, of anybody's Dan's lips. Dan's actually smiling at me. Not that I know what it means. But I'm well, kidding. No, you the, left your tie so on by accident. You, oh. I, this is my OA jacket, by the way. I know, but you left so, your tie on. Is that bad? I'll take it off in the next block. Okay. If you're looking for two names, and we do that thing over, as you know, when I'm over by where Dan's sitting, we sometimes walk to the uh, plasma, plasma, and we do something called a power pitch, and we did Fast it with pitch. Devon Energy, and I know I lost like 75-25, but if you look in the August 6th earnings, that's actually setting up rather well. And the, the big integrated oil name that I like, continue to like, Against $60, so the risk-reward here is very good, is ConocoPhillips. The cheapest of the big three, I think that sets up well in the earnings, I believe, on July 30th. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, check out our super cool newsletter. So cool, you won't even need air conditioning this weekend. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Twitter is taking flight this month. And Guy Adami and Mike Coe will tell you how to catch the ride for less than a buck. Plus, calling all options action parents. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out Snap, feeling extra popular this week, getting a little bit of a bounce from an upgrade at Goldman Sachs this morning and now up almost 3% since Monday. But there's another social stock that Cohen Guy think is about to spread its wings and fly. So you know what that means. It's, uh, Twitter, it's a tag team. That's right. Time for a little Options Action. Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to tell you that. Guy? So just let me be clear, by the way. 
when Mike Ron, we just did Mike and I, and that I picked that. So if you're mad about it, it's my fault, not Mike's. I picked the stock. Mike picks the option. So if it's wrong, it's on me. Number one. Number two, this is one I think we're going to get right, and it's Twitter. Why is that? For years, I was screaming, get away from this active user stuff. Don't use that metric. It's wrong. Google doesn't use it. Twitter shouldn't use it. And what happened? Back in February, they took their medicine. Yes, the stock went lower, traded down to 29. But somewhat, it's been off to the races ever since. They took their medicine in February. I think it works for them going forward. Number two, ad sales growth. You're talking about 20% ad sales growth. That's a very reasonable number, and given their valuation, I think it makes a lot of sense. And last thing, I think you're coming into an earnings release where people have underestimated the power of Twitter, July 26th, so I like it in the earnings. And let's just throw the chart up, Earl, as we say slide it, and you can see what I'm talking about. Here was that flush back in February when it traded lower, and it's sort of effectively been off to the races ever since. Yes, it's tapered off, but I think this is just building a base getting set to make the next new high. But with that, I'm going to tag my man, Mike, and he's going to give you the options play. Well, let's take a uh, look here, because obviously he highlighted the fact we have earnings coming up. When you have earnings coming up, we have a catalyst. We obviously like to work with that. But one of the first things that we usually get in a situation like this is higher implied volatility. Twitter is already a pretty high implied vol, high options price stock to begin with. But with the earnings catalyst, it's even higher. One other thing that we don't always talk about, but I think we do want to here, try to match the moves of the strikes that you're choosing to the maturity of the trade that you're looking at. So how long is the trade I'm looking at? I was going out to September in this case. I am looking, let's clear that out so we don't have those things. I'm looking at the 33, 38, 43 call spread, risk reversal, sell the 33 puts at a buck, buy the 38 calls for 255, and sell the 43s against it for 90 cents. Net, net, you're spending 65 cents for this trade. Obviously, what we're expecting is for these two wing options to decay more rapidly than the one that we're long, giving us participation here between now and September. Notice the strikes that I've chosen, 33 and 43. This is going to be expiring in just under 80 days. And if we take a look at a chart of Twitter, the one that he was just highlighting, so let's take a look at the strikes we're selling. We're selling this 33 strike, and we're selling a 43 strike, okay? Look how long... We've been within that range. So basically, we're saying these are, you know, a relatively range-bound stock, even if it breaks out. The chances that it violates the 43 call that we sold or the 33 put that we sold is relatively low. And that's what I mean by matching the strikes to the maturity. All right. Thanks, Beautiful. guys, for that. Come risk on back less. over. It's risk less. Make more. That's the show. I mean, wow. That's, that's the show. I'm just saying. Come back over <laughs> to the desk, please. Coming over. Uh, I want to get Dan's take on this whole thing. Yeah, I, I like the trade. I mean, listen, you know, Twitter's been a stock that's been really gappy over the last few years, meaning that they have massive gaps in earnings up and down. And it tells me that they get something like guys said in February, they took their medicine, had a big gap down. And then, you know, they changed the, you know, and now it goes back up. I, I mean, so I don't love actually selling a put in a name like this unless you are prepared to buy this lower at Mike's short put strike on bad news. And so generally, you know, we like to buy stocks on good news unless you're averaging into a story and you have a longer time horizon. But, I, you know, your, your fundamental case, fine. It's great. You know, um, your, your trade idea, fantastic. You know, you could just buy a call spread, not have that downside risk. But to me, I just I hate the fact that this thing's been public for five or six years and it has these massive gaps all over it. It, it doesn't is, tell me that they do a great job forecasting their own business. It, it is a good point. You would say, you know, chances are if the thing does gap down, is that the time that you want to buy it? Yeah. 
it's not just a question of whether you want to buy it or whether you wish you had or had not, but at the level at which you're going to be buying it. So you're going to be buying it essentially at $33, excluding all the premium of this trade we just laid out. That's the put your short. That's the level where you're going to be buying the stock. That's a pretty material discount to where it is trading right now. So when you think about the incremental risk of being short that put, it's the risk of being long the stock at 33 that you're adding to the equation, not the risk that you're buying it at 37.60 or so where it closed today. All right. Typically, though, when Dan goes on one of those diatribes, he ends it by saying, knock yourself out. He didn't do that right. for some reason today. Just saying. Up next, Walmart's sitting near all-time highs, beating the market so far this year. We will tell you why that big box boost is good for one of our traders. Uh, there's much more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Two months ago, Cohen Carter bet that Walmart could see a big box breakout. If we put this to the prior high, that's 106.21. We're right on the bottom. I think at a minimum, you make that move. That would be about four to five bucks from here. And then ultimately, with a little luck, some backing and filling, and then a real breakout. Well, I was looking at the July 100 calls earlier today. They were trading about 375 when I was looking at them. Well, that stock is up 16, 15, excuse me, percent since the trade. So, Mike, what do you do? Yeah, so the stock's up 16 percent or so. The options trade is up about 300 uh, percent. We paid 375 for these. You could sell them for about 14 and a half bucks right now. And that's exactly what you do. Oh. I mean, we got the trade right. And uh, these things are now deep in the money. And there's not much reason, I think, to hang on to the trade. You know, we'll get Carter back to talk about what he thinks of Walmart going forward. But well, guys in Walmart is in a Carter seat tonight. So what do you and make I, I can, of Walmart? I can, I'm channeling my... Well, you're wearing the tie, which well, is what Carter would do. Thank you. Hear. And I would say, what I would say and what I would have probably said then, in valuation, Walmart is expensive. However, it does appear to be breaking out to the upside. This is very similar, by the way, to what Costco's done over the last month, month and a half. So... I agree. You take money off the table. But given the tape we have and given that Walmart doesn't report until August 16th, you might be able to squeeze a little bit more out of this trade. My sense is you take half of it off the table, maybe let the rest of it run, Michael. You know, I take a little issue here. Kramer had that Fang thing, right? And then well, I had wait, you look and, at me no, no, when you say and that. And then I had the MAGA thing. Uh -huh. And now Kramer's coming back and he's got this watch thing. You know what watch is now? Yeah, Walmart. Walmart Target. Mm-hmm. Costco and Home Depot, the big box things, and they're all breaking out. This one was the first to go, and it's really interesting at this stage of the game because they're all pretty constructive, and they all have actually some premium value. You want cheap calls, though, on an expensive stock, so you would have to roll this trade if you were going to stay long. Yeah. On that same day in June, Dan predicted that staples could become unstable. We have a weakening economy here, and if we don't have any real resolution to this trade situation, the back half of the year is not going to be great. In that scenario, you're going to have very cyclical names continue to go lower. But I don't believe that you have stocks like consumer staples that are up like this, anticipating whatever they're anticipating, continue to go higher from here. So you could buy the August 197 half put spread, paying $2 for that. Procter & Gamble up about 2% since then. So, Dan, with about a month left in the trade, what do you do? So, this is a really good example. So, Mel said the stock was like 112 and a half or something. Now it's 115. Close at an all-time high. It's up 25% of the year. Everything I said, I still agree with, but I'm just wrong on direction here. So, the options trade was the 110.97 half put spread. That cost $2 at the time. Now it's worth about a dollar. And back to our earlier conversation about setting premium stops. You've got to manage your risk because you let this thing go just a bit, little bit longer, and it's the highest probability is going to be 
a, a loser, a, a 100% loser, if you don't get that move back. So to me, this is when you have to think about taking a loss at 50% of the premium that you spent. Guy, you're taking PG. I don't know what people see in Procter & Gamble. I mean, you have 9% EPS growth that trades at 24 times forward earnings, which is crazy compared to where they've been historically and crazy where compared to the S&P 500. So I don't get it. I mean, I do get it on a certain level, but this stock is way ahead of its skis. They report on the 30th. Again, everything Dan said is right. The stock's just moved higher with the broader tape. I think this trade is still in play. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back. Time to take your tweets. Our first fan asks, what are your thoughts on a calendar spread strategy with Boeing? I chose the 375 strike selling July 26th, buying August 16th. Mike. I like it. So they're going to be reporting on the 24th, and it's implying an above-average move. So that is the expiration you want to sell, the 26th. And I like the 375 strike you chose as well, because it averages about 3% moves. That's about what you're looking at on the upside. So good trade. All right. Time for the final call. Guy Adami. I just want to say what an honor it is to be part of the OA group once again. And I look forward to earnings next week, potentially to derail a market that's way ahead of itself, in my opinion. Michael. XLE, if you want to make a bullish bet here, keep it simple. December 65 calls will work. Dan. Yeah, so Netflix and earnings. I don't think expectations are that high, but I'm not a buyer of it, but I do like call calendars into the print. All right, we'll see you back here next Friday. Stay tuned. Mad Money is up next.